Kevin right. Gandhi of ESPN. Welcome to the Illuminati Podcast. Good to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. AAC Media Days. How how was your experience the two days? Great. I, I, it's my third time up here. Um, second time hosting it. I, I, honestly, the clam bake is the best clam bake of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that sets up everybody. I, the, the one thing that stands out about this uh, this media event is you feel buzz. I think I think you could say that because this conference has such a big chip on its shoulder, and you feel buzz every year because it, we're getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And and I'm telling you that perspective from. I think all the programs and how they view themselves that no one from the, the Power Five wants to face them. And I'm not saying that like, oh, everybody's scared. No, no. They also know what's on the other side, mm-hmm. the challenges of a game like this. And how do you benefit when you play a team that's outside the Power Five? Because in reality, it, it may not look good on your resume, um, but you're going to get a dogfight. And we saw that experience with UCF. So I, I think that coming here, you see the growth of this conference in five years, where it has been, where it can be. Um, I think they showed you each time uh, they get the opportunity on New Year's Day. They're knocking on the door. And I think all of us ha- love that kind of underdog status. And that's what this conference represents. It kind of gets me reset and recharged for football season again. So as, as a Temple guy, yeah. Uh, First of all, when did you graduate? So how long have you been out? I've been out for, I graduated in 1998, so I've been out for 20 years. Okay, yeah. so when you were there, temp, I mean, Temple football was literally got kicked out of a conference. And it was it was sort of a god-awful. It yes. was really bad. <laughs> yeah. So now they're even talking about possibly an on-campus stadium. There are certainly some challenges with that. Yeah. So what is, what's it going to take to get more people from North Philadelphia and campus down to the link I mean, so how are we going to get this stadium filled? Because Temple is putting a product on the field now that is quality college Yeah, football. that that's always going to be the challenge. I think for any school, and you guys coming from the UC, USF background, you understand too, going to Raymond James Stadium. Sure. It, you're going off campus. I think people at Miami understand that you're going off campus. They can't fill up that stadium because the idea that you're 45 minutes away. Uh, you know, with, with the link being 20 minutes, depending on traffic, you can probably do it in 15. It's the the biggest challenge is, you know, who's going to come to Philadelphia to play us? When you see Penn State, when you see Notre Dame, that place fills up. Sure. Uh, I think that many of these teams go through this this tough time of filling up a stadium because you don't have built-in rivalries like you would do in the standard traditional conferences. So the idea of SMU coming to town, Houston coming to town, Tulane, Tulsa. You don't have built-in rivalries coming into town. So you go through that challenge. When you can have a stadium with 35,000, people can wake up and walk over. It changes things. And I think they're very close to getting this stadium. The idea that I'm even talking to you guys about a stadium, though, <laughs> blows me away. When I was there, they won a total. I covered the team for four years in the Big East. 5,000 people will come to a game. 4,000 were there for the other team. And the other thousand were really just people that worked in the area or were supporting their their sons. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I experienced maybe seven or eight wins in four years. So for us, were you to, Paul Palmer era? No, you? Paul. Paul was my brother's era back in the mid eighties. Okay, uh, I was in the Ron Dickerson area, and, and you know we had we had a couple of you know Henry Burris who was a star in the CFL. We had a couple guys at Alshamon Singleton, Lance Johnstone, guys Aaron that. Buck. Yeah, uh, Alshamon, Al's yeah. A, good, a good friend. Like we, we had guys that make an impact in the NFL. One or two guys per year were going to make an NFL roster. We just couldn't have put the, the consistency on the field year in and year out. To have the idea of what, you know, Al Golden started, 
uh, Adazio and then, you know, Matt and Tunnell, what Jeff's doing. I got to give a ton of credit to those guys, but the, it's really made up of the kids. The kids have been amazing. Uh, they believe in the program. They grow with the program. Um, I talked to a few of the, the guys that are going to represent the T. Uh, the one thing I just told them, I thank them because I understand that they're coming in as two-star, three-star guys. Very little fanfare, but they know you earn everything on the field. You don't earn it in mm-hmm. some you know, publication or, or blog that you're ranked by you know, somebody who's just watching from afar. Those are the guys that represent the school that I want to be a part of because that's kind of how we feel. We all feel like we got a chip on our shoulder. So for us to even be talking about a stadium at Temple on campus, it's a game changer. Um, I'm not sure how you're going to be able to get people to go to the link unless you bring in when Penn State's in town, we fill that up. When Notre Dame's in town, we fill that up. But this is a program that's going to get on average around 20,000 to 30,000 for a good game. And that's that's what we can ask for right now. Load up the buses and go down the you know down North Broad. I mean, the, the Temple game first USF last year seemed to be a turning point yeah. for Temple after they negative two rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. And they, they kind of started to find they, yeah. they changed the quarterback, started kind of started to click. Do you see that carrying over for them? Totally. Yeah, you know, and the quarterback play that there was a great unknown for, for Jeff. And again, this is year number one for Jeff, Jeff Collins a year ago, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work offensively. And he, he brought it up, uh, you know, today on media day, you know, he realized being an assistant or defensive coordinator in the SEC is completely different from being a head coach of a program. It's just completely different with the duties. Uh, that USF game was a horrendous game, uh, and, and my colleagues, I are, it was great. my colleagues uh, Booger McFarland and, and Joey Galloway were on the call that game, and they still crushed me on that game. Uh, but I told them, I said, "Don't worry, we're, the teams figure themselves out, and there is a little transition you're going to go through from one coach to the other, especially when you have a different quarterback." Now, the the dynamic that USF had was you had the consistency of Quinton still being there, right? right. So you had the quarterback who's going to have the majority of the snaps. No matter who the coach is, at least you have something consistent on the field. Uh, the Temple team went through some transition where you have two completely different quarterbacks getting the chance for the first real time, the opportunity to play. And, and Frank has showed, showed you really in the second half of the season, what's it like? Now I have control, grasp of the system. I'm having opportunity. If I make a couple throws, our team is good enough, especially on the defensive side, to carry us. And... And you're going to see that, I think, this year as well. You just talk about that game last year, and yeah, it wasn't Temple's best performance, but the year before, Nick Sharga just oh, yeah. USF sold yeah. single-handedly. He became a national celebrity huh, with his blocks. trucking people. Yeah. And I mean, it was, I mean, so, it, but that to me seems like that's what Temple football should be. This is not a team that needs to be spreading out. I know you got, like, you took Ventrell Bryant right out of our backyard in Tampa. Yeah, so, like, yeah. you know, I, but this isn't a team that needs to be going five wide and spreading it down. All yeah. They, they seems like a little power football. Totally. You know, try and run the ball a little bit more, try and control the clock yeah. a little bit. You, that you should ha- be an idea. You have to be a little creative, I think, also with some of the kids that you want to bring in. Mm-hmm. You, you got to show them a little – because the, a lot of these kids also, they want a little flash. Yeah. So if you can mix that up and blend that in with the power game, you know, led by uh, rock arms that, you know, where you're going to run between the tackles, which you made a reference to two years ago with Sharga. We had a phenomenal backfield. Matt offensive line had two guys, three guys that went to the NFL. Um, one was a, a second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So that is the identity of this team. 
And it was put in by Matt that we are going to punch you in the face. And I think Jeff is fully aware when he looked at the personnel, we are going to have a mixture of that identity. Let's punch you in the face, but also we're going to keep you honest here and mix it up here with some playmakers on the outside. And and I kind of like that compromise um, because you're not going to win a lot of games when it's, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Not not in this (laughs) current college football era. You need to kind of have some creativity as well. But what you're, you're noticing, too, though, is the physicality has changed a lot. The teams that are physical in the end, at the end of the season, will always stand. Because they find a way. I, 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 I look at Navy year in and year out. Like shoot, no one wants to play them. No one wants to play them in, in November. I mean, because mm-hmm. you don't want to get hit punched in the face. Right. Um, and I think Temple has that same type of identity. And, and, and you're going to see that in November because there's going to be a critical schedule. Uh, you know, when yeah, you have three games in 17 days, including USF, Cincinnati, and we get Cincinnati and Temple back to back on the road. That's yeah. just going to be that is a rough. Cold, so cold. We're yeah. flirty. I'm from Philly, but I'm a flirty. It's just, I can't. I you get a little even, taste of the palm trees, and then you're. I'm checked out, man. That's it. There's shorts and flip flops everywhere. Last question, and this is so, somewhat more Philly. I, I think there's a lot of. USF certainly had more football success since the iteration of the program than Temple has. But no. I think there's a lot of the same challenges in the markets, but there's a specific challenge in Philadelphia in that college football. You got Penn State, they're four hours. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? You know, and otherwise, there's really, I mean, Rutgers, with apologies to our our friends at the Big 14, um, hasn't really captured the zeitgeist of New York City. Yeah. What can Temple do to, I mean, and it's so tough. You got, you know, WIP. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting, you know, it's Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, and then nothing else exists. Yeah. How do you break that? That zeitgeist in a city that is so parochial. You can't. And so based in you, and you'll never break it. And you're. It's an Eagles town. Yeah, you know. Let's just say. Let's just go back a few years ago when when Temple brought Notre Dame to town, and and we had to. We are a college game day setting. The cool thing about that is that city became a college football town because the Eagles were not good that year. They were. They were actually chips last year, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we need a getaway. The idea that you can have a team take that city, which doesn't think of football first on the college level at, at any time, right. aside from Penn State, like you made a reference, and you could own that week, that just shows you the progress here. The key is just maintaining that. They'll, they'll never overtake the major sports in that town. But you can be, for example— Villanova in the last three years has become a huge, and we you knew knew growing up. Sure, Big Five is huge. It's a, it's really a quietly one of the best college basketball towns in the country. Absolutely. I don't get a lot of fans. I think there. it is the best. Uh, yeah, for sure. And Villanova's kind of owned that city in March. What we can do as as a Temple fan base is say, all right, if we consistently deliver eight, nine, ten win teams, people will eventually come. It's just a matter of continuing to grow that base. Um, you're never going to win the uh, you're never going to win the fan that that thinks of the Eagles first. But I will tell you, Philadelphia loves winners. Yes. And, and if they could jump on something, they would jump on something <laughs> as quickly as possible. Now, because listen, we, we've experienced losing many, many years of our lives. And you, you're laughing because you understand, Colin. You, you experience it. So when you get a taste of a winner in town, it is a magical feeling from the Schuylkill all the way down to the main line to Center City. 
everybody shares that same thing. Uh, so I, I think that if they just consistently follow up with eight win seasons, and I think the expectations will be there, and you'll you'll see that a lot of people take pride in Temple football. The other other thing, one small thing, real quick. They must continue to recruit within the city. We are losing a ton of talent, basketball and football-wise, that go to big programs from the outside. I'm not blaming those kids. Get that opportunity. We need to continue to own the city when it comes to recruiting talent because that's how you're building bases and people can identify. I want to see the city kid. You guys are fully aware of that when you're looking at USF. Like, if you can have a homegrown person from... Vince O'Brien and Willie Taggart's offense is otherworldly. Totally. But if you got guys from the 813, 727, 941 staying in that area, you're going to build that base. Mm -hmm. I saw that when I was at uh, Sarasota for six years and I was fully aware of all that pipeline that was coming up from Booker High School from Manatee yeah. going right up yeah. to Tampa to play at USF. I mean, there's a lot of similarities with you know Philly and Tampa. Yeah. And, you know, Tampa loves winners. I yes. Mean, <laughs> uh, you see the Lightning, there's sellout, sellout, sellout. Yep. Bucks, Rays, it's just not there. Yeah. So it's kind of weird with USF. They've won 28 games in the last three years, and they're still not showing up. Yeah. So there's a disconnect with the fan base, and they've got to figure something out. Yeah. And, and we just had the athletic director on talking about that before we got to you and he's they need some new life I think is probably fair yeah, yeah. and you know Tampa Philly that's a natural rivalry yeah through you know the NFL I'll, I'll always Flyers Lightning too. I'll yeah, always the worst, too. worst loss of my <laughs> and by the way I knew that entire Bucks team I had covered that Bucks team mm-hmm. and it was the Rondé Oh, that by the way, by the way, the Juravicious play really was the game changer <laughs> oh, in my mind. Like everybody goes to Rondé pointing at his back. The Juravicious play that was, was the backbreaker because when you have Brian Mitchell open up the game on the run, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it, you yep. know. And I, everybody's aware of how they played with 40 degrees or below, and you know, Keyshawn and Warren. And a year ago, we had dominated in the playoffs against the Bucks. I, I was fully aware of all of that, mm-hmm. and um, it is a rival. I mean, listen, you you go to the Phillies race in the World Phillies Series. Race, it's, you know, um, Flyers. Greatest day of my at Philly's right. I had one cousin fly in for game one because yeah. it was cheaper to buy tickets to fly to Tampa. So he, one cousin flies in, drop him off the airport, pick up my other cousin for game two. Yes, her to game yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was you know, as I'm Philly's Eagle fan still. I Understood. Can't, I can't ever let you that can't go. change that. No. I mean, that I don't think people understand like. Philly's different in that way. It's it's part of your DNA. Yes, it's it's different in Philly. Maybe Boston. Yeah, maybe. I would say I would say like New York has that thing with the Yankees and Giants fans, you know, and even Mets fans because they like to torture themselves as well as the Jets and Rangers. (laughs) Um, But very similar. And what you're you're finding out is that correlation is all Northeast teams. Yeah, you kind of. I'm not saying you can't have that in other other places. It's just something that it is noticeable in the Northeast. Mm that you're tied to that professional team. And then when I bring up New York, Boston, Philly, you don't see those big connections to the college teams, you know, oh. when it comes to college football, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, BC maybe a little bit. There is no New York team. Uh, Rutgers, yeah. you know, you know, New York team felt like at one point was Syracuse, <laughs> you know? Um, but Philadelphia is trying to find that identity with Temple, and fingers are crossed. See if they do it. It's the last big market that the sport needs to crack, I think. It's, yeah. Uh, it's Philly, so we'll see what happens. Um, Kevin, thank you so much for thank the time. You so we really much enjoyed for this. taking the time to talk to us. Appreciate Guys, it. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Enjoy Newport. Thanks. Oh, yeah.